Hi there, Valiant fundraisers, and welcome to episode 62 of the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. This is the podcast for anyone who works in fundraising and who wants some ideas and a little dose of inspiration to help you enjoy your job and raise more money, especially during the pandemic. Now, if you're the leader of a fundraising team, or you're anyone who wants some ideas to encourage you to make proactive decisions about your approach to fundraising, then I hope you're going to find today's episode helpful, because this time I'm sharing an interview I carried out recently with a wise and experienced fundraiser named Davinia Batley. Davinia is the head of fundraising and engagement at a charity called Become. At Brightspot, we've had the good fortune to work with her through the Brightspot Members Club over the last three years or so, and I've always found her approach both practical and inspiring. So a couple of months ago, I invited her to speak to our breakfast club for fundraising leaders. And we got so much great feedback from that session that I couldn't resist asking Davinia to come back and share some of her ideas for our podcast listeners as well. So let's get started. Here's the interview. In case the listeners haven't heard of Become, could you just give us a brief outline? Yeah, absolutely. So Become is a small national charity with the national charity dedicated to supporting care experienced children and young people. Um, And we provide direct uh, support as well as champion change within the care system itself. Okay, so it's a wonderful charity. I've uh, had the good fortune to find out a little bit more about it over the last couple of years when when you and I have had occasional chats. And uh, interestingly, it's not a household name yet, although you and your team are working pretty hard on that. Um, and some might say it might be one of the harder causes during the pandemic when many people are focusing especially on health. And uh, I, th- I think your results this year and how hard your team have worked this year demonstrate that the public still care deeply. There are many people who care about this particular cause and they've been generous this year. Yeah, we've been really delighted by how the general public as well as funders have responded to um, uh, supporting care experienced young people throughout uh, the pandemic and beyond. Um, and it's we've seen the results uh, come into play over the past few months as we come to the end of the year. And we're really pleased that um, we are closing the year ahead of the original budget. Um, and we've brought in more money this year than we did previous pre COVID year, which um, feels like a very strong position to be in, giving everything. Yeah, so huge congratulations. And it's just, it's not easy for any charity, actually, but especially smaller charities and charities which are not overtly connected to health. So congratulations to all involved. At our Breakfast Club, you mentioned some really interesting fundraising tactics, which I think our listeners will be keen to hear and they're used to hearing on on this show. But the thing that really made your talk stand out was actually about your thought for me was your thought process, which you described of, of, of what you were thinking and realizing and deciding in March 2020. Do you want to start at that point and then we can move on through the story after that? Yes, we've got to cast our minds back <laughs> to March uh, 2020 uh, when this strange thing was happening and we didn't really know, uh, certainly didn't know we'd be in this position a year later. Um, uh, but we found ourselves in lockdown um, and talking of uh, COVID for the first time and so on. Um, at that point, I realised a couple of things. Uh, first of all, that there's much more that I didn't know than 
than I did. But uh, with the little information I did have, I realised that this was going to be the biggest challenge that I had faced as a fundraising leader. But with the 2008 recession, I was in corporate responsibility. So I didn't even have that as a kind of kind of frame of reference that I could refer back to. So this was going to be brand new for me um, as a fundraising leader. Um, and I knew, as I say, there's lots of unknowns, but um, I wanted to kind of take control as much as I could of what was in our power as fundraisers for Become. Um, and so um, I, I stopped and made a series of decisions um, to try and help to frame uh, what the next few months would look like. And in order to do that, I had to kind of take stock of myself and of the organisation, etc. first, uh, to then make those decisions. Um, so uh, I asked myself a couple of kind of key questions. Uh, first of all, was, what's my frame of reference? As I say, I didn't really have one. I recognised I was wading into waters that were pretty new. Um, then I asked myself about my automatic coping strategies at time of crisis. And certainly for me, ordinarily, I'd double down. <laughs> that would be my kind of first thing is, OK, let's get really busy. Um, and uh, I realised that that would not be particularly sustainable uh, and certainly wouldn't have been sustainable for a whole year. Um, so um, I knew that that, that that approach wouldn't wouldn't help um, me or my team. Um, and with team in mind, I asked myself, what did the team need? Uh, what did our supporters need? Of course, what does a charity need? As well as asking what I needed. Um, because uh, I think if ever there was a year where self-care was important, <laughs> I think this is probably it. Um, so with asking those questions, I then kind of was able to, uh, asking and answering those questions, I was then <laughs> able to get to a place of making some uh, key decisions that I think were quite helpful um, for myself and for the team, etc. as we moved forward into unknown waters. Um, and so those decisions were to be uh, transparent and open. Um, and that manifest in loads of different ways. So, for instance, um, one of the first things I had to do, um, one of the first things I did <laughs> uh, was um, uh, do a reforecast, um, as pretty much every charity uh, fundraising director would be doing, a reforecast uh, based on uh, changes within the fundraising landscape. Um, and I was really careful to not be bullish in any way within that forecast and to, to um, not look to tell a good news story or to, to reassure, but just to be really clear, um, not to be um, overly dramatic either, but to be really clear about what the known challenges and what the assumed challenges are. And that forecast, of course, um, I put to the board and that really helped um, for the board to feel confident that there was, um, you know, a really pragmatic approach being taken within fundraising and of course that informs finance and then it meant we could have really useful conversations at board level and it meant that the board were happy to give us the space to get on with um, finding the solutions and putting them into practice uh, which is really welcome as well and I think it came from that real sense from them that we weren't trying to say everything was okay when evidently it wasn't. Um, but equally uh, with the team, I um, made a choice to be 
uh, perhaps more open and vulnerable, if you like, with the team than they ordinarily would be. So I talked about my living situation in lockdown uh, when I found it challenging, um, which uh, certainly there were days that I found it really challenging, and days that I didn't, and I think that's true for everyone. Um, and I made a choice to share that and try to not be, you know, this stoic leader, but actually be wholly human. Um, and I think that led to more open um, and honest conversations with the team, which I'm really grateful for. Um, and it meant that then with those open and honest conversations, of course, as, as a manager and as a leader, I was able to step in and provide support quickly and effectively where that was kind of needed. So that was really helpful. Mm. So, and, um, yeah. so first making these decisions and a first clear decision was if to survive this, we have to be more open and deliberately transparent than than we might want to be to somehow sort of just get through in the short term or put on a brave face and what was another clear decision you made in terms of the values you really wanted to embrace so the next one was around kindness um and i think kindness can seem like an odd one because of course we all hope that we're always kind um <laughs> although we are human we are flawed uh, but you always hope you're kind but i think to be kind of intentional in your kindness is um kind of what I was getting at um, and uh, and again that manifests in different ways certainly about being kind to ourselves um, particularly um, uh, within the team and uh, uh, there are a couple of choices uh, that we made um, as a team that was kind of framed around this kind of idea of kindness so you know don't let perfect get in the way of done <laughs> was a real kind of way of working because that idea of aiming for perfectionism when you're operating in the middle of a crisis is incredibly destructive and it's just it's, it's unachievable um, so the, the idea of working in with that mindset is really helpful um, but also being kind to our donors um, and finding ways to um, to recognise that they're going through something enormous themselves. This is a global pandemic. They're not immune. How can we uh, show that we recognise that? Um, and so we did different things. Um, uh, such as get on the phone with our donors, which I'll talk about perhaps a little bit more detail and kind of find ways to connect with them um, to, to recognise that kind of the human impact of this pandemic of everyone. Um, but then um, going back to the team, we also... Um, uh, we have a, a culture of learning and uh, and um, always wanting to reflect and learn and move forward. But also, um, was, I was really intentional about um, making sure that there was um, recognition and agreement and willingness to only do what needs to be done. Don't you don't need to do what doesn't need to be done, um, and to kind of just get things out of the way that don't need to be on the list right now. Um, and that's an ongoing piece of work because, of course, we always want to kind of like tick everything off the box, uh, off the list, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But to just really focus in on what is needed um, is really helpful because there's only so much headspace you can carry. Uh, and again, it's about being kind to ourselves and to our team. So this is really interesting stuff, Davinia. I love the fact that you're highlighting this permission to look for things to stop doing because trouble with going on courses and listening to podcasts is forever there's new ideas. If In order to fit in the new stuff or adapt, we've got to somehow make time for it in the things that no longer are needed. It's a great idea. And I love that as a leader, you're conscious and explicit about it. Is there anything beyond that that you've noticed has helped you 
live this value and help your team do it in practice? Yeah, there are a couple of things. Um, uh, so I think first of all is um, when working directly with members of the team is to kind of go through what's on um, individuals work plan and to talk through, you know, the value of that um, if it's necessary and then to take things off um, uh, and just do the same thing as a team. I think probably, um, although it seems odd just to kind of put so much weight on this, but probably the most useful thing is how that's done so to not make it a big conversation to not make it feel like a weighty decision that's got to be you know really recognized and pondered and worked out and you know and just just to kind of give it lightness um so that uh it doesn't feel for um whomever it is i'm talking to a team member uh that's their um uh, sacrificing something um, and that something is lost because it's been taken off the work plan and so the kind of the weight in that conversation is not given to that decision it's given to the things that we are driving forward instead and um, I think that's really helpful so it's about where you where you emphasize where you put emphasis in each conversation I think is really important. Yes that makes sense Davinia and in terms of in practice the some of the activities that have happened because of these couple of values of transparency and kindness for instance could you tell us a bit about how that has worked yeah so it's been it's been a really lovely year of kind of um seeing these decisions being um positively received um so for example going back to the transparency and openness we took that same approach of our donors and very early on we got on with the phone of our donors and funders and we're really open with them about we we don't know what the next few months is going to hold we know it's going to be a challenge for the young people we work with um, and we know we need to be there for them uh, but we don't know how that's going to look just yet because we're now all working from home etc uh, but we'd really love you to come on this journey with us um, and we had those kind of conversations we weren't again trying to reassure we were just trying to be really open and honest about what the situation was um, and that was received so well so for example when we spoke to a couple of funders the first funder in fact that I spoke with um, in that phone call uh, pledged 40k unrestricted income which was such a, um, a boost in so many ways first of all it was a great amount of money to receive and we're incredibly grateful uh, but second of all it really helped to immediately motivate myself and, and the team to go oh, it is worth getting on the phone and it is worth having these conversations and um and uh funders are responding really well to that and to be able to have that kind of immediate uh, validation was really brilliant um and then there's another example where we speaking i was speaking with another funder and had a couple of conversations with them and it was around about uh, April time so a few weeks after lockdown had come into play uh, that that particular funder opened up um, uh, funding pot specifically in response to uh, Covid um, and um, she said well, I was on the phone with her again and she said to me look Davina this is now available we've spoken enough that I'm able to complete the form for you don't worry I'll submit it um, on your behalf um, and I'll submit it for the maximum value of 20k which was just incredible um, and she was successful in her applications so <laughs> um, but it was just really wonderful that that um, 
that she recognised uh, how she could be helpful um, and that, that she felt that she had enough information for me uh, to do that and that she uh, was kind of reflecting back the value of those conversations. It was really lovely. Well, um, congratulations, Davinia. Again, I can see her on, on so many different levels getting these financial results helps and it just seems to me one of the reasons it's so powerful is it it just reminds us all of, of the obvious truth that it's not us fundraisers separate from these people who benefit from the money separate from these people who care and might want to fund it we are all in this together people who care about this particular issue and that's among the most you know extreme examples I've ever heard of her being part of your family yeah filling, filling in the form for you yeah absolutely it's um yeah it's it's a really lovely kind of example of people feeling close enough to the cause as a result of those conversations to be able to be a really active ally uh, so really grateful hi it's rob and i wanted to jump into the middle of this episode really quickly to tell you about something i'm so excited about which is the way that our bright spot members club has been helping fundraisers to not only survive, but also to do really well, to raise funds so effectively during the pandemic. Through the club, our 300 members get access to a whole library of my best training films, as well as regular live coaching sessions to help you handle whatever challenges are coming at you each week. And we've also found that handling these challenges has not just been about getting the right advice or strategy, it's also been about morale. And we've found that the encouragement and help that our members get from each other has really helped them to stay positive. If you're not yet a member, but you'd like to find out more, go to brightspotmembersclub.co.uk forward slash join. That's brightspotmembersclub.co.uk forward slash join. I would love to welcome you to the club and do my utmost to help you succeed in your fundraising. For now though, back to the interview. As I asked Davinia to share more detail about how prioritizing certain values helped her team's fundraising results. I think you also talked about some really interesting ways that being proactive with kindness to your supporters um, not only helped you and the team feel good, but also it, anyway, it, it was a, um, a valuable thing to do from the point of view of the charity. Yeah. So we were, as I say, we were um, really conscious that as we were going through this enormous, um, you know, world changing pandemic, so too were our donors. And we wanted to reflect that back to our supporters in, in any way we could. So, again, we got on the phone and had some really um, lovely conversations with individual supporters consciously not asking for any gifts in those calls. It was all about just connecting and seeing how they were and um, letting them know what we were doing and what we were still kind of trying to figure out as a charity back to those really open and transparent calls. Um, but, but ultimately those calls were about checking in with our donors and making sure, seeing how they were getting on. Um, and then around summertime, we knew that um, with the uh, lockdown continuing far beyond anyone's expectations, that uh, there were going to be quite a lot of people that were feeling loneliness, um, which is certainly something that the young people we support were experiencing. And um, we knew that that would also be true for a lot of our donors. So we uh, created some postcards um, for all of our supporters, sent them purposely through the post rather than e-post. Um, so that there was something lovely that would come through their letterbox that was just a little a little moment of uh, respite from otherwise uh, quite uh, difficult news uh, around the pandemic um, that just kind of 
created a break for everybody, we hope. Um, and both those things were really well received. So the phone calls that we had early on in lockdown uh, were absolutely there to connect with our donors and to make sure that they were okay. Um, they actually served as a primer for an appeal uh, that went out not long after. And that appeal, I'm really pleased to say, was the most successful appeal in the charity's history. Wow. So uh, I, I think it's so wonderful that when we act on our best instincts and are genuinely doing things because we care about our supporters and there is no agenda, isn't it also glorious that, you know, in terms of reciprocation, it, it can't help but... Um, make it more likely that people will think of you and want to be generous as well. Yeah. In terms of uh, the various values you, you particularly wanted to give more energy to this year, so far we've talked about openness or transparency and we've talked about kindness. Um, remind me, what were the other couple of decisions you made from, from March and, and then shared with your team? So the other two I think that are worth um, exploring a little bit more were around agility and uh, growth mindset, uh, particularly having a real willingness to learn and to test and iterate as we went along with particularly new products that we put into the marketplace. Mm. And um, as I remember it, your team and you as a fundraiser, you've always been interested in this because I met you a long time ago when you were interested in, in learning and, and you've been a member of the Bright Spot Members Club for at least two or three years. So I know that you've always made time for learning. But I think it's really interesting that you were explicit about it in March. Now more than ever with all this change, we have to, to um, be interested in doing a thing, not just for its end result, but also as part of a learning process. And yeah. I think you also mentioned on Breakfast Club that... Um, it helped you, this particular one, it helped you make time for trying a particular fundraising project out and getting it out there in a braver and, and, and faster way than ordinarily might have happened. Yeah, so um, when the lockdown came about, uh, we had, um, well, as the year started, we had a fundraising product kind of earmarked for later in the year uh, that and the plan was to work out that product and to, to work it up uh, and then launch it over the year. Uh, we instead uh, with the lockdown massively accelerated that process um, and then within about two weeks of lockdown we had launched an, a brand new gaming product called Become Players uh, with a gaming marathon um, ask attached to it um, and it was uh, possible uh, for two reasons. One, because it was um, led very ably by uh, Will Robinson, our fundraising manager, uh, but two, because we had this culture of being really willing to um, to to test and learn and to and to continue to to move forward with whatever we've learned apply it move forward learn apply move forward um, and uh, and that manifest in many different ways from uh, what ads we put out there where um, people are responding to bet to which ads we kind of then kind of put all of our budget behind those ads images the same etc cetera, etc cetera. um and also built into that and uh, I, I cannot say this one enough and i'm actually just surprised i haven't mentioned this yet uh <laughs> is um we were really open to willing to and recognize we would fail um, and that that was OK, because that's absolutely a part of learning. And I made sure I had those conversations with my CEO that we would fail as we 
as we progressed um, and that we, I had those conversations with my team that it's okay to fail because that's how we learn and we continue to embrace failure as a really important part of learning um, as we continue to test and iterate to today. Yeah and uh, you see I think you said before that this was uh, a complete new kind of way of fundraising yeah uh, and that you you did manage to just get this get something out the door and learn from it I mean in the same way that IT software engineers uh, have always worked this way for some fundraisers this is a, a especially if we we don't we're not used to working in the digital world so much yeah it is a, a stretch it's a different mindset isn't it is there anything else you could share about how you and your team managed to make this more normal yeah, well, uh, f first of all, we took that kind of same approach outside of just the digital world. So that the attitude of uh, uh, of testing, iterating, it's absolutely the same thing we will take we take to uh, what's the best um, way to work up a trust application or or um, whatever it might be. I, I think um, we've really got that kind of embedded across our fundraising culture, uh, which I think is really helpful because then it means we're oh, forever. Um, to answer your question, forever um, feeding back our learnings and kind of feeding into that culture and, and normalising it and making it okay to kind of constantly test and iterate and learn and fail and everything in between. Um, uh, with regards to like when we first went into the pandemic and to make that comfortable, it, it, it was all about um, constant reassurance and it being okay to do that. And again, talking to the board and, and particularly to the CEO about everything we do this year is not going to be successful and and having those really uh kind of like honest conversations again and 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 getting that comfort and then bringing that comfort back to the team as well and saying you know everyone's everyone's behind us we're okay and being able to reinforce that this is really interesting stuff Davinia and in practice what does that look like yeah, so um, it manifests in many different ways. For instance, at the end of an appeal, we'll do a review of the appeal, um, including our learning, but perhaps um, uh, a more all-inclusive way across the team is at the end of this year, that's just closed, we did a review of the year, kind of came together, spent some time reflecting on what we've learned, what worked well, what we didn't get to do, what, what um, we'd like to do, and so on. Um, and actually, even within that review, we learned that having it on an annual basis is useful, but actually this year we're going to do it three times in the year. So we're learning within the learning as we go ahead. Um, and that's really helpful. Yeah. And, and I, I get a strong feeling that in any given one to one meeting or team meeting, some of the time that gets spent is on not just talking about victories which can be tempting to do in some teams but it's, it's embedded in everyone's mindset now that we come and share what we learned from this 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 project or this latest stage in this project yeah absolutely so it is it's it, i think that embedded is definitely in the word so it's almost um unusual now to have a conversation uh, be it in a team meeting one-to-one -one or informal where we're talking about a particular piece of work that doesn't in include an element of what I've learned from it as well so it's really everything is about looking back in order to move forward. Mm. This is uh, really valuable stuff. Davinia I would love to, to talk more and more because I always learn so much when we 
have these conversations, but I'd better get the episode finished. Thank you so much for sharing what your process has been in the last 13, 14 months and some of the examples of how that's paid out in fundraising terms for the charity as well. I wish you huge congratulations to you and all your team on these wonderful achievements in the, in the last year or so. And I look forward to catching up with you on the podcast again soon. Davinia Batley, thank you so much. Thank you. So I hope you found Davinia's ideas and examples helpful. If so, do remember to subscribe to the podcast today so that you never miss an episode. For a full transcript and a summary of the episode, go to the podcast section of our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk. As I say, Davinia has been a member of our Brightspot Members Club for over three years now, so she enjoys access to our weekly problem-solving sessions and masterclasses, to all my best learning bundles, and to our supportive community. If you'd like to find out more about our Training and Inspiration Club for fundraisers, or to dip your toe in and try for just a month, go to brightspotmembersclub.co.uk forward slash join. I'd like to say a huge thank you to everyone who's left us a kind review on your podcast provider, and to everyone who's been spreading the word about this show to colleagues and on social media, helping us to get this content out to as many charities as possible during the pandemic. Davinia and I would love to hear what you think about this episode. We're both on LinkedIn. And on Twitter, Davinia is at DaviniaB311. And I am at Woods underscore Rob. Thank you so much for listening today. Best of luck with your fundraising. And I look forward to sharing another Bright Spot episode with you very soon.